G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast Community Extravaganza. I'm Lechdog, I'm joined by one of the best in the business, Damo, all the way over from Perth, Lockdown. How are you, you beautiful man? I'm here, I'm alright. <laughs> You're still holding on? You're still doing alright in locked up in your, uh, in your study? Yeah, and all weekend I was pinned to the football because that's all I could do really and um crying over my own team (laughs) well we were both crying over our teams but I was crying over super coach myself um really low score this week barely scraped 2000 knew I was going to take a hit this week I opted not to do any upgrades last week for a double upgrade this week so I knew I was going to take a bit of a whack but Gee whiz, I fell uh, like 5,000 places. I was in top 3,000. I am not anymore. So I'm a little sad, but we'll get through. We'll double upgrade. Hopefully it all balances out. Plenty of trades left in the bank demo. How's your team coping? I feel like I'm dealing with an injury every week, uh, but I don't think I'm alone in that respect. And I seem to be sticking around the same rank, moving backwards and forwards each week. So it really depends on how well my, my players do, depend, and that depends on uh, how far I fall or rise in the ranks, but I'm mostly staying around the same place. Yeah, the annoying thing, which I look was obvious pretty early that I was going to start taking a beating myself, was that uh, all my pods are performing well and all my premiums are performing well. I've avoided quite a lot of the injuries too, but not having guys like Impy and Zebel in my team cost me and everyone yells at me every time I talk about it, but that's a lesson for you. I didn't trust guys coming off long-term injuries and it blew up in my face. So there's bigger news than my woes demo this week. The number, well, there's two names at the top of this list. There's Josh Dunkley, who is by far and away the most dominant forward option we have in Supercoach here and one of the most dominant options we have in Supercoach altogether who is going to miss you know, 12 to 14 weeks or 12 to 16 weeks or whatever it is with a shoulder surgery after that shoulder popped out twice on the weekend. And Lockie Neal, who has already dropped significantly, about 180 grand, priced at $578,000 currently. He is getting surgery on his shoulder and he's going to miss an extended period of time. So there's two guns of the game have... Uh, had some serious injuries over the weekend. They're in a lot of Supercoach teams. We're going to go through replacements for them. We're also going to look at potential other replacements for forwards. You know, there was a rumor that Jack Zebel, I mean, he ended the game on the bench. So who knows what happens there? Hopefully he doesn't miss any time. And if anyone owns Jeremy McGovern, we'll look at some defenders to replace him. And just in general for upgrades as well, he went off with a groin injury. I expect him to miss a fair bit of time at $474,000. And then finally, we will chat Dustin Martin, well, maybe we can start with Dustin Martin. He's probably a pretty quick one, $482,000 demo. He went off with a concussion, I believe, after scoring sweet stuff all. He scored, did he score? 39 points on the weekend. 
Everyone thought he was going to score 200 in his uh, milestone game, but he went off with a concussion. Is it as simple as owners, you must hold Dustin Martin, Damo? I think it's hold for at least a week because obviously with concussions and the 12-day protocols, you're pretty much ruled out of the next game regardless of when it gets played. It's more a case of watching him for the following week because Damien Hardwick did say after the game that there's also a foot issue that he's been managing as well. Uh, Who knows if that was the real reason why he got subbed out of the game or he wasn't really subbed out, but why he sat on the bench for the remainder of the game. But at the moment, the official reason for him being subbed out is uh, his concussion, and so he will miss one week. So no point making a trade just yet. Yeah, we can only go off the information we're given, can't we, Damo? So I, I think, hey, if he's your only problem this week, you can consider trading him, but I'm guessing a lot of people are going to have a lot bigger issues. Yeah, feel free, anyone who's listening, Tim, I know you're listening, to uh, add a few extra trades into all of our teams. We'd much greatly appreciate it, wouldn't we, Damo? Yes, I need more trades. Uh, my team is not going to look any good at the end of the year. Oh, no. And last year, my team ended with Charlie Cameron in it. This year, it's going to be worse than that. Let's kick off the replacements chat demo because we've got plenty of names to dissect and look at for replacement players. And the number one, let's talk midfield first. Let's talk Lockie Neal slash Josh Dunkley replacements because Josh Dunkley, you can use swing sets if he's in your forward line to bring in midfielders. We're going to look at midfielders. The number one cab off the ranks is, is he the highest scorer of the season or he's bloody close to, he's the second highest uh, scorer of the season. It is Jack McRae, Damo. Yeah, he's been ultra consistent. He's yet to go below 100 and it's what, 34K, 34.5K to go from Dunkley to uh, McRae. So it doesn't cost you a hell of a lot to move up to currently the number one mid in the game, but um, some people don't have that cash available. So they might be looking a bit cheaper than him, but he's definitely the best option if you can do it. Yeah, averaging 131 this year, three-round average of 141. He's getting 1.3 points per minute. He has been unbelievable. I know we talk about it every week. We were worried that Adam Trelaw had come in and ruined Jack McRae, push him out to a wing, but he's actually too good for the Bevo salad to catch him. He's too good to get dressed and tossed by the Bevo salad. Back-to-back 140s with a 137 the week before. Mate, he is a jet and comes up against a depleted Richmond, then a a Carlton Blues, and then Port Adelaide. He's going to ton up in all those games. If you can get him, get him a great vice-captaincy option as well. But you're right, Damo, not everyone has cash. So is there anyone jumping out off the page of you that is a downgrade option for Josh Dunkley? I feel like we were going to talk about him anyway, but there's David Mundy, the man who we probably need to cite as birth certificate for at this at this rate, given his current form. But then you've also got the likes of Mitch Duncan, who didn't start the year due to his hamstring injury, but has done quite well in the, in the last two or three games that he's played. And then you got Zach Merritt, who seems to have found a gear finally for the year, and Jared Lyons, who is yet to go below 100 as well. All right, well, let's start with Monday, bloody Monday, 
David Mundy, $579,000, break-even of 51, defying logic, defying physics. He's the sixth-ranked midfielder this year. He's 872 years old. Damo, how, how, back-to-back 145s, one score below 96, which was the first game of the year, 73. How is he doing it? What is happening? And is he a legitimate option? I personally don't want to pick him because I don't want to ruin him, a bit like you with Sam Walsh. Yes, the, the voodoo curse rule, of course. Um, but it looks like the new rules have suited him quite well because he's not getting banged around at the contests quite as quite as much. And he's also not attending as many center bounces as we think. He seems to be coming in from a wing as, after the center bounces have been done. He, he does attend a few with Fife and Walters to bring a bit of an experienced edge every now and then, but it looks like he's mostly staying out of the way and moving into the center um, once uh, the center bounces happened. Mate, I'm looking at this man. He's at, he's the highest points per minute player in the midfield. He's getting 1.8 points per minute on field, which to put in perspective, Jack McRae's getting 1.3 and he's having an incredible output this year. So Mundy's doing it in somewhat limited time. Is there any risk that he gets a tag? That clubs go, David Mundy, the 37-year-old, is too much for us. Is there any risk of that, or or is the tag always going to go to Brayshaw or Fife? Well, I guess the issue is if you tag Mundy, then you've got Brayshaw and Fife off the leash. And the good thing about Mundy, like Fife, is Mundy can actually go forward and play as a tall forward, given his height. And so it means that tagging him is a bit of a mute point because it doesn't stop someone else from stepping into Mundy's shoes. Well... I, my question mark, of course, is the age, but age is just a number, baby. I played, I selected Cade Simpson 800 years in a row. David Mundy's close to one of my favorite players in the competition. I'm very, very tempted by this man. I don't know. Can he run out the season? I would, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the Dockers medical department has improved a hell of a lot over the last few weeks. They've gone from an injury list of about 20,000 players now to about six. So they're doing quite well in that department. Let's um, let's put a, a peg in this one for a second. There's a lot of players around this price that we can talk about. I really like the potability of Monday in less than 1% of teams. We'll quickly touch on Sam Walsh, who you mentioned. We spent a lot of time talking about him on the podcast last week, so we probably don't need to spend a hell of a lot of time on him. 581k is 40k higher than his starting price. He is the fourth ranked super coach midfielder this year. He's the seventh ranked player overall. And he backed it up again against Brisbane with a huge 130. That's two scores in a row of at least 130. Break even of 68. This is, I mean, we say this every week. He's not going to stay this cheap for very long. So if he pumps out another 110 he'll go up another 20k he'll jump over 600k i can't select him i really want to by the way side note the four players i was tossing up with on last week's pod before i opted to do no upgrades uh all scored 130 plus so that hurts sam walsh was one of them demo i don't want to voodoo curse him but you can maybe we can pick each other's players maybe that's how we do this yeah maybe maybe that might be a good idea 
What is Sam Walsh? Is he a selection option for you, given how the Blues are going? My biggest question about Sam Walsh is, given the way that Carlton have been playing, how long until he's no longer the, the big dog in the midfield? I think he's... I think he's the big dog in the midfield. I don't think Cripps is uh, is going to do what we think he's going to do. And I don't think – I've got a feeling they're going to stop playing Zach Williams in the midfield as well. So, uh, personally, he's Carlton's best player. So, I would – I'd expect – I don't know. It's hard. I think he's the main man in there, man. But if you say it differently, let me know. Hey, I think he's definitely an option at this stage because I don't think Carlton are going to do anything – too drastic just yet because you can see when they've when when they're on they're on um but obviously they're a young side that are still developing and they're clearly investing a lot in sam walsh in the midfield at the moment if i was worried about the blues and i was coming up against them which by the way if i was coming up against them i wouldn't be worried about them i'd just tag him i like he's literally the only chance they have at winning the game he gets 30 plus disposals gets a thousand inside 50s kicks a goal Let's uh, let's just put a tag on him. So that would be my only concern. But yes, I think he's a great option. A bloke you mentioned, Mitch Duncan, had a huge day at the office on the weekend. Talk to me about him. Uh, he's a 582K, scored 149 on the weekend. And before that, scored quite well in his comeback game. 133 in... Uh... Round five, 92 in round four, and 117 in round three. So three tons, three big tons, and a, and a 92 is his down game this year. He's currently in my side. He is currently my my Josh Dunkley replacement. He's Look, he's kind of the uh, – you can say this about so many of the Geelong Cats, but he's a, he's a bit of a forgotten man, always seems to play – always seems to be, you know – Good, averaged 104 last year. And we know Paddy Dangerfield, he's out for about a 1,000 years. Yeah, definitely is getting more of an um, opportunity in that Cats midfield with Dangerfield out because we know that Duncan can be pushed to the half-forward line or the half-back line with Dangerfield in the team. So I think he's a good option, and I think he'll stay a fairly good option for most of the year. I think these new rules really suit him. I think... You know, he scores 149 in a demolition of West Coast. He kicks four goals, which is huge. But you look at last week's game, he still scored 133, kicked no goals, was all midfield with 27 disposals. So he actually doesn't need the goals. It was just a nice bonus against West Coast. And to be honest, everyone seemed to be jumping on the goal train against the West Coast. I've got no qualms with picking Mitch Duncan other than I feel like he gets those niggly injuries every now and then, which which concerns me slightly. Um, he does have a teammate that I like, though, in Cam Guthrie, who's in 6% of teams. I know a few people in the Supercoach uh, upper echelons have him and, and are enjoying his output. He's the sixth rank. Uh, is he the sixth rank? He is the third ranked Supercoach midfielder this year, averaging 119 points a game and you can get him for just 33k more than he started the year at 587 so this is a guy that he's had one score below 100 a 75 but everything else has been at least 104 including a 144 on the weekend and a 163 43 disposal performance against the hawks in round three 
is if you had to choose between the two, you've obviously chosen Duncan. Why Duncan over a, a Cam Guthrie? I've chosen well. I don't have a lot of cash in my bank. I'm moving Dunkley and upgrading Golden, and I want some two top line mids. I've gone for Clayton Oliver as one of them, and I've gone for Mitch Duncan as the other. It hasn't let me a lot, a lot. Hasn't left me a lot in the bank. If I was to go with Guthrie, then I couldn't select Oliver. Not that that's a big problem, but I do think that Duncan and Oliver are going to net me more points in the long run than Guthrie and someone else. I think that's fair enough. So, yeah, you must be using quite a bit of your bank if uh, there's only 5K difference. So you you must be, uh, must be very tight, Damo. Yeah, very, very tight, but very needed given the way my team is at the moment. You may, yeah, well, I, I think a lot of us feel that way. Um, Clayton Oliver, you mentioned, he's on this list as a, a probably a must trade in. I think a lot of people have been 25% of teams. It's unders uh, of who needs him. $596,000, uh, $596,300. $122 is his break even. Another 114 on the weekend. He just gets it done time and time again. Got tagged in round three for a 67. We thought he was going to plummet in price. But he's just gone 130, 115, 114, held his price for the most part. He's dropped 60K over the course of the year and and he's looking like a must-have. Damo, you're bringing him in. Tell us why. To be honest, I probably would have started with him if he didn't miss the Amy Series game with, with general soreness. So he's always I've always planned for him to be in my side at one time. Just and his consistency is undeniable. Oh, he's and he does provide a VC option if you if you need a bit of a pod. There's some teams he loves to towel up, and I'm eyeing his game against North Melbourne this week as a potential VC. Uh, averages 112 against them, and then he has the Blues a couple weeks later. He destroys us every time. I think he's awesome, uh, and a guy that spends a lot of time on the on the field has points per minute is quite lower than the other guys we're talking about. But yeah, you couldn't go past him, could you? No, he's he's someone who I wanted in my side at the end of the season. So, get it getting him now was just a no brainer for me. I think there's two names on this list for midfielders replacements: Jack McRae and Clayton Oliver. If you don't have those, they're the ones you need to get. And then these other guys are the icing on the cake. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Nat Fife, but we talked about him last week. We're going to talk about him again very briefly. Six hundred and twelve thousand. $100 break-even of 110 came out, did his thing on the weekend demo. Is Nat Fife someone we can trust, or do we just pick his much better teammate, David Mundy? Imagine if Nat Fife could actually convert his scoring shots because his scores would be monstrous. Um, <laughs> I, think, I, think that, I think that ship has sailed. I just don't think he's going to do it. He's like Paddy Cripps. You can't teach him a new trick. I'm st- I still have a replay of his first set shot in my head from that first quarter when he was about 20 metres out and went around the corner and it hit the post. I don't know why you don't just line up and kick a drop punt from that far out. Anyway, it's not the question. I personally, I never thought I'd say this, I don't trust Justin Longmuir with, with Nat Fife. It feels like well, hey. once Adam Chera is back, Nat Fife will not be seeing a lot of midfield time. It 
that's they flagged that at the start of the year. I guess the last couple of performances have probably been uh, elevated by Adam Chera missing slash getting injured. So two one twenty fives back to back. Are you so you think it's a his risk other than the fact that he gets injured a lot or misses games or whatever? You think his role is still not settled six rounds? No, I don't think his role is settled. And Darcy Tucker is also close to returning. And Longmuir said during the week that Luke Valente is very, very close to finally getting a senior berth. And of those guys, Naf Fife's the most flexible. He's the one who can impact the game the most somewhere else. Yeah, so I think eventually Fife might even force out Tracy to bring in another midfielder. Um, and I know Sam Sturt is very, very close to coming back as well. And I know that they like to use him as a third or fourth tall in that forward line as well. All right, let's move on. I, I tend to agree I don't love him as a selection uh, as good as he is. I'm just going to, we're going to quickly touch on these 600K players. We're just going to go yay or nay because I want to get to some value picks for the community playing at home. Kristen Petrarca, $598,000, 598K. Break even is 111, 133 on the weekend, three round average of 129. Yay or nay? He's a nay at the moment. He might turn into a yay as the season progresses. I'd be very hard-pressed to spend more money on Christian Petrarca than Clayton Oliver, for instance, this week. He's uh, slightly cheap or slightly more expensive than Clayton Oliver. Oliver's obviously the better selection. $602,800, Marcus Bontempelli, break-even of 95. The champion data love child scored 127 on the weekend. Yay or nay? I don't think you can go wrong with picking him, but I personally wouldn't. I think come the end of the season, we'll look and we'll go, oh, yeah, he was the between 6th and 10th highest scoring midfielder, which is really good if you're looking at overall. If you're looking at week to week, I'd probably be going elsewhere. He's already in 25% of teams as well. Uh, But, yeah, he's a nay. Oh, no, he's a yay, but uh, an unenthusiastic yay. Jared Lyons, the man who I spent about six years talking about on last week's pod, $608,200, break-even is 122, hasn't dropped below 100 yet, but hasn't left gone super, super crazy too many times. No, but with Lockie Neal out, he could be in for some massive scores. So he's he's a yay. Well, that's, I think, very much he's a yay as well. Plus, he doesn't curse Carlton if I pick him. Uh, 108 against the Blues. And honestly, I was watching and I was there and I was like, I couldn't really, I don't know if I'm dumb or blind, but I was like, is he affecting the game? And then I looked at the stats and I was like, oh, yeah, he's affecting the game. Uh, who, is there risk of Luggy Neal not being there that, Lions is the one that opponents target, or is that uh, what Dane Zorko is potentially going to do? Or Hugh McCluggage? I think Jared Lyons is one of those quiet achievers that teams don't really notice. I think he's one of those players where if you tag him, it doesn't really change how the game reacts. It really is. I think Zorko or McCluggage or even a Mitch Robinson is more likely to get tagged than 
a Jared Lyons. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. Uh, speaking of, we're going to get to some value picks now. We touched on Zach Merritt before at 587, break-even of 99. I think he's a solid buy. You said he's starting to turn into some form and looks pretty good on the weekend. Yeah, it looks like he's not going to be a top eight midfielder by the looks of it, but he's pretty comfortable churning out those scores around the 110 mark, which is good. Yeah, if he averages 110 come season end, We'd probably be thinking to yourself, "Oh, that's pretty close to a top, like to a top ten performance." So, uh, if he can keep it up, he'll keep it up. He, like I, I said last week, I've been disappointed by him, but I don't know why. <laughs> I was just expecting a little bit more. Don't know what it is. Value: Hugh McCluggage. We just spoke about him. Five forty-seven break even to fifty-four. I poo-pooed him last week when people were suggesting him on the comments on the website. To those people, I apologize. You were right. I am dumb. He scored 128 against the Blues. I think he gets tagged with Neil out. I think he's one of the players that is likely to receive attention with Neil out. I've got nothing to back this up with because I'm I'm not the biggest, you know, Brisbane Lions fan other than two of their players who you might have heard I, I quite like. Uh, I feel like he'd be the most susceptible to a tag of the bunch of the their midfielders. I feel like if you pay him attention, maybe he'd struggle with it more than the others. I have no way to back that up though. Yeah, to be honest, I'm I have probably have only watched one Brisbane Lion games for the year so far. And that was the Friday night game where they kicked a goal after the siren to beat Collingwood. Zach Bailey. I love Zach Bailey. Oh God. I love him. <laughs> And I feel like once Hugh McCluggage got on top, that's when Brisbane started to get on top of Collingwood. So if anyone's going to get tagged in the absence of Neil, I think it's going to be him, and I think it's going to affect the way Brisbane play. Jeezy's looking good, though. And if you're willing out there to to, to take that gamble that we're not master tacticians and that clubs aren't going to tag him, then I think he's going to reward you. But you're banking on clubs being smarter than us, and I just don't see that being possible, Damo. Yes. I wasn't <laughs> sure how to respond to that, actually. Travis Boak, he's a top eight performer so far in the midfield. You can get him for 35 grand cheaper at $555,000. His break-even is 100, and he's been kind of up and down. A 121 on the weekend was very nice. He'll, is he someone we should get? He's going to continue humming along as long as Port Adelaide continue to hum along, so he's definitely a... Decent option to have a look at. I, um, I'm i going to say yay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Adam Trelaw, here's a little uh, curveball for you. $568,000. I thought that he would be the safest pick of all the Bulldogs preseason break-even of 105. He's the 20th ranked midfielder right now uh, over the six games. But... He's averaging 116 over his last three and 110 over his last five. Since he's uh, got a bit comfortable, his numbers have been stacking up. Just imagine you play for a team where, or you support a team where one of your best midfielders goes out with a four-month shoulder injury and you've got Adam Trelaw who still hasn't injected himself into that midfield rotation fully yet, waiting. Yeah, and then you've got like Tom Libertore, hanging around as well and 
Lockie Hunter floating about. <laughs> like, and Patrick Lipinski playing in the VFL. Dominating the VFL. Absolutely dominating the VFL. So I actually think Adam Trelaw is a big yay and could actually, on the back of this Dunkley injury, become a top 8 to 10 midfielder. I'm really tempted to just replace a dog with a dog. Bring in Adam Trelaw at 568k. He's only in 5,000 teams. Ride the highs. Like, I thought in my head that he'd been playing badly because of that first Collingwood game of the year. Since then, he, he had a 95, 108, 118, 117, 113. Guess what? He's doing exactly what he what he's paid by Collingwood to do. Hey, and, he's, and doing it exactly as he was paid for by Collingwood at Collingwood in years gone by as well. Oh, is the is there? Are we worried about like injury though? Because we know he misses he misses games. His hamstrings are very weak. Well, not weak. Weak is the wrong word, but he is susceptible to a hamstring injury, as we have known in the past. And and so there is always that risk with every player. There's always that risk um, with him. Look, the Bulldogs' in injury list only really ha- only has one soft tissue injury on it now, and that is Lin Jong after the weekend. So it sounds like they prepare their players really, really well. He's still a yay for me, but I do understand the risks that people will fear from him. Yeah, I'm looking back at his years, and he actually, I mean, he, he missed a lot of time. Okay. For the most part, I'd say he's a reliable player. Uh, but when he does get hurt, he gets hurt. I don't think he's going to miss too many little ticky touchwood games. But he is, if he does get injured, it is you're going to have to trade him because he'll probably be out for six weeks. That's my assessment of the situation. But I really like him as a pot on this list. And the cheapest replacement that I wanted to talk about for a midfielder or slash upgrade. It's it's this is shopping season community. We'll bring him to the table. You tell us if you want it or not. We'll barter. Andrew Brayshaw, four seventy nine five hundred break even fifty three. Spoke about him last week. Another guy who turned up sixty five k cheaper than his starting price. My only issue with Andrew Brayshaw is that he's we keep talking about players susceptible to tags. He is the most susceptible to a tag and in trying to break a tag, he decides to tag back. So we saw against the Hawks that he was tagged by, who was it? James Warple. So he decided to tag Tom Mitchell as a response. Yeah. It was like a, yeah, uh, Warple was running with him. I don't, it wasn't a super hard tag. So Brayshaw just clamped down on Mitchell. And I'm pretty sure uh, Ed Kerno had a good look at him in that win the Blues had as well. Yeah, and so he definitely doesn't like attention. He's learning to deal with it a lot better. He was he got on top of Kane Turner over the weekend, but it's Kane Turner. <laughs> and um, shout out to Kane Turner. Oh look, you you know I love him, but I'm I'm still not convinced by him. I so you think there's a bit of episode five about this. Brayshaw tags back. Are we worried that uh, that's going to be detrimental to his scoring moving forward? Yeah, I think that I, I think he's going to be one of those midfielders that ends in that awkward 
top 15 to 20 range that we all look at at the beginning of next year and go, I reckon he'll take the next step. Yeah, he, he can take the next step. Yeah, I think uh, it's a tough one. From this point onwards, forget the first six games, will he be a top eight to 10 midfielder? I don't think so. Will he be a top 15 to 20 midfielder? I think so. Is that enough? Well, we're not going to get to full premium. A lot of teams aren't going to get to a full premium this year. So is dropping a Dunkley down to a Brayshaw and making however much that is, 130 grand, is that correct? Yeah, about 130 grand, unless my maths is off. Is that worth more than trying to get a top eight for a midfielder? I guess it really depends on where you are with your rookies at the moment. And a lot of people would have had pretty barren benches on the weekend. Rookies are starting to get rested, dropped for whatever reason. And now people are trying to, and people are now trying to find ways to generate cash and save money and sort of buy lows to get these players that are, that are rising in value. So I can definitely see the attraction in Andrew Brayshaw. And if people think that he's going to improve your team's scoring profile overall, then I can understand the selection. And I do like it, but he's not someone that I'm targeting just yet. Yeah, he's someone that I'm personally very interested in, but I'm, 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 it's just something holding me back, a little hesitation. Maybe it's just watching that Carlton game. I was a little bit turned off by him, but... Yeah, as you said, cash generation is dead. Rookies, a lot of something that maybe we didn't really anticipate was the fact that a lot of rookies didn't play football last year. Even ones that were already in the system didn't play much football last year. And maybe we're seeing them get tired out, not able to influence, and and maybe it's stuffing our cash generation. Yeah, I mean, to get to the point where I was, where I could do a double upgrade this week, Obviously, Josh Dunkley being injured helped, but I actually did a double downgrade last week to put about 250k in my bank. And I think that people are going to have to start building a bit of bank and then moving on some high-priced rookies to do what they need to. And so it's going to be less case of one up, one down. It's going to be a case of a process that people need to learn to do. So instead of upgrading a rookie costing two trades, it might now cost you three. Yeah, and that's going to make life very difficult. I tactically, I had to eat a zero this week in my defense so that I could do my one downgrade for the double upgrade this week. If I wanted to cover that that zero last week, that meant no upgrade this week. Like that's how tight we're playing with at this point in the season. It's slightly concerning, but for me, I think it makes the game way more interesting, but I can understand why other people are freaking out and potentially losing interest as well. Yeah, I know that my patience is being tested, but in the end, we have to remember it's just a game. And I know people spend lots of time putting their life into this, like we do here at Jock Reynolds. But in the end, it is just a game, and whatever happens, happens. And you just got to manage it the best you can. And seeing the people's strategies to overcome these challenges is one of the most interesting things about Supercoach. Agreed. I think. The best thing I did, uh, I was hating Supercoach for a couple of years there and spending all my time doing it. As soon as I learned to be able to separate myself, my my enjoyment of football slash my weekend from my Supercoach performance, uh, it made life much easier. So 
yeah, try and do that, everyone. Try and your super coach score is not who you are, uh, unless you're really good and then good on you. <laughs> Let's move forward, Damo. We're getting very, very philosophical here. We've got to replace some forwards because not everyone's going to want a midfielder to replace Dunkley. People are going to want to get rookies off the field in the forward line, and that is going to be a hard thing to do. I'm going to touch on these two players first, Taylor Walker and Jarman Impey. A lot of people will have those players in their team. A lot of people will have jumped on them for cash. They are premium forwards. We have to consider them. With all the carnage we've had, whether they keep averaging 100 or not, if they average 90 for the rest of the year, we talked about it pre-pod. You said an average of 90 might be a primo this year. These guys are that. I still haven't jumped on to Taylor Walker yet, but I feel like I need to very, very soon because he is going to be someone that my forward line needs to continue and or not continue to improve itself. And I don't want to have James Rowe at F4 or F5 for the whole season, which is unfortunately a high chance at this stage of the season with all these injuries. Yeah, so I think I look. I I agree. I also don't have Jarman MP four hundred thirty two k. Felt like it wasn't going to last. Looks like it is going to last. He's going to go up again this week to about four hundred fifty four hundred sixty k. That is premium territory, and I've just got to consider whether I want someone like him or someone like Brayshaw. Put the compare the pair and see who's going to net me most points. But when considering who to trade in, Damo, as you say, it's not just. Will Brayshaw score more than Jarman Impey? It's Will Brayshaw and Rowe score more than Impey and Golden or something like that. You've got to factor in who you're keeping when you're doing these trades as well, choosing between premiums. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you move from a team with a limited scoring profile because of all the rookies that you have on field to at the end of the season a team that has a higher scoring profile because you've made all these trades. So you want to make sure that you're improving your team's scoring profile with every trade that you make in the long term. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, to summarize, get rookies off. (laughs) God, I wish I could go back in time. Demo, any forwards that you want to look at? Uh, Rowan Marshall did quite well against the power on the weekend. Um He's 557k and won't be too much more expensive with a break even of 146. So you could wait a week to have another look at him, especially considering Paddy Ryder is a good chance to join him uh, against the Hawks this weekend. So he's someone who everyone can have a look at and everyone wanted him at the beginning of the season as well. So we get to have a good look at him now. Uh, Steel Sidebottom did really well in that uh, Anzac Day clash with in the absence uh, with the absence of uh, Taylor Adams and Jordan Degoe. Um He's got a break even of seventy eight. He's four hundred ninety three k. And then you got the likes of Jeremy Cameron, who played his first game for Geelong and scored eighty three, three hundred eighty eight k. It was a, a pretty good return from him. His inclusion into the side actually interests me more in a previous top forward, Tom Hawkins. So I want Jeremy Cameron to keep playing well, but Tom, so that Tom Hawkins can do Tom Hawkins things. He was able to ton up on the weekend, 105, his second ton for the year. Uh, he is, what, $464,000 with a break-in of 89. He'll probably hit that or get 
around that, so it won't increase too much in price. But did Jeremy Cameron assist his scoring or were the West Coast Eagles just so deplorable that he was able to do some other stuff as well? Oh, look, I think it was a bit of column A and a bit of column B. Um, the Eagles don't seem to worry too much about each other's about each other when they're going well. Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy can score irrespective of, of, of each other, and I think that's going to be the same as Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins. I think there's going to be games where one scores better than the other, but there's going to be a lot of games where they both score really, really well. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one of the races, horses in that race, it would be Tom Hawkins, but... I'm happy to wait on both of them, to be honest. I uh, just touching on Steelbottom and Rowan Marshall, both in heavy consideration for my forward line upgrade this week. Dane Zorko, a man that I started at the cost of Jack Siebel and Jarman Impey, 485,000, break even of 83 supercoach points, has broken his cycle of going shit score, good, short, good score, shit score, good score. He is available uh, for the cheapest he's been this year. What do we think? Another player who's going to benefit from the absence of Lockie Neal, I think. I think there's not going to be one player that benefits from the Lockie Neal absence. I think there's going to be Zorko, McCluggage, Lions, all those players that do better with Lockie Neal out of the side. Whether Brisbane do better... With or without Lockie Neal is another thing, but those players in particular will probably be relied upon a lot more in their Brisbane side and therefore will probably score better as well. Uh, Zorko's next three opponents are Port, Fremantle and Gold Coast. He averages at least 100 against all three of those opponents. So definitely someone to to, to consider heavily, um, just whether you think he can be a top eight forward. And at this stage, he is... 19th forward overall. No, that can't be right. Let's rearrange that order. He's the seventh forward overall with uh, guys like Tom McDonald and uh, a few other players, Tom Hawkins chasing him. Speaking of Tom McDonald, I kind of jumped ahead there, Damo. I really like him. I I don't want to get, I'm ready to get hurt again. 431,000 break even of nine. He has a three rounds, his last three rounds, 89, 136 and 109. I'm ready to be hurt again. I remember, I think it was maybe one of my first years playing Supercoach seriously. I had him for most of the year and he was averaging 98 because pretty much every game he scored 98. He was one of he was one of the most consistent forwards in the whole land. He rarely scored anything other than a 98. I think there was about that was by the way. I think I, I think there was about six weeks where he went 98, 98, 98, 97, 99, 98, or something along those lines. And um, and then Simon Goodwin got in charge and things changed. I'm not I'm not convinced by him because Ben Brown and Sam Wiedemann are due to return very, very I soon. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to take all the fun out of it. <laughs> You're right, you're right. I just, you know, he's a tall forward and he marks and Taylor Walker's a tall forward and he marks and he's the best forward in the game. So, well, second best forward in the game. But I think you're right. I think I think uh, I don't think we should be in a rush to get Tom McDonald. Another cheapie that is caught my eye is Shy Bolton. Or is it Shea Bolton? 
Pitts, Shy Bolton. And I was actually very surprised that he's only gone below 85 once this season for a 29 in round three. Yeah, and that 29 cost him 30, uh, cost him about 40 grand cash. He's bounced back from that this week with a 99. Uh, 110, 110, 99 are his last three games. In a year where we're looking for forwards, is this a man who is just going to sneak his way in? I think he's going to be one of those players where he'll average 90 and those who decide to land on him will have to be happy with the odd 70 in his price cycle. Yeah, I think so too. I think the one thing to consider with all of these trades, there's a shitload of super coach to come this year. There is a lot of super coach. We're going to have, there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of jostling for positions. So we're really looking to get guys who are going to get close to the top 10. I think if Shire can keep doing what he's doing the last few weeks, which is get, you know, 28, 29 touches, impact around the ground a little bit with outlet marks, he's a good buy. If you don't think he can be capable of maintaining that throughout the year, then he's probably not the man for you. A man that I want to know, Damo, if he can continue and maintain is my new favorite for the uh, for the John Coleman medal. Well, he's not my favorite, but I got that card for the brown the Coleman predictor card for Toby Green or for GWS from the uh, the uh, select footy cards. Toby Green five hundred and five thousand dollars. Can he do it? When he's the acting captain, he is a jet, but he does require himself to kick at least four goals to ton up. Yeah, his score relies on how many goals he kicks. So luckily doesn't rely on whether they win or lose. It just relies on whether he hits the scoreboard or not. And I guess that's one of the biggest things about Toby is that there's always the chance he could get suspended. There's always the chance that he could not kick a goal. And there's always a chance that one day he could drop a 60 on you and you lose your league matchup. So I don't mind him. I'm, I can't trust any GWS player, to be honest. I don't know what Leon Cameron's doing with that side. He seems to be panicking given their form and changing players forward, back, middle, wing. Why isn't Tom Green playing on the field more? Like all these questions about GWS and yeah, no, Toby Green. I, I'm going to say nay to this question. Uh, let's say nay on Toby Green and just hope he wins me the bloody Coleman. All right, we're going to rush through defenders because I don't think many people are going to have a problem like Jeremy McGovern to deal with, but they might be looking to upgrade. Christian Slalem. Christian Salem. What a performance he had on Anzac Eve. He's $509,600. He scored 167 super coach points, bringing his average up to 107 for the year. His break-even is 25. Is this a legitimate option for us? Cam from the Draft Doctors told me while we were doing that like 18-day draft that we did, <laughs> that Christian Salem was one of the players that I should target with, with one of my second or third picks. And he was right. He basically said these new rules are the type of rules that will suit a player like him for this kind of format. And he has been 100% right. 
it's a yay. That is a yay, 509,000. I like him. Callum Mills, $525,500, break even of 89. He is $20,000 cheaper than he started the year. And he showed us again why people started him with 34 disposals and 10 marks on the weekend. The question is, he's given us two really big performances and a couple of below eight, uh, below 90 performances. Is that just what he's going to be, or is he going to actually take the game by the bull, by the by the uh, the horns? What is it by the horns? By the horns of the bull? Is he is he hiding? Is he holding something? With Callum Sinclair in the ruck, he is a nay. If Tom Hickey was fit, he'd be a yay. So you think uh, he needs first use to to be impactful? Yes. And you don't think that Sinclair is going to give him that. Well, anyone who watched the Swans-Suns game on the weekend would say that Callum Sinclair is not a dominant Ruckman. Yes. Well, what a what a demolishment that was. Demolishment? I don't know if that's a word. I like it, though. I think you mean demolition. Yes. <laughs> I like demolishment <laughs> better. Jake Lloyd, his teammate, this, this the human seagull, is it time to jump on yet? 574K break even at 132. He's already dropped $82,000. Or do we just, just keep waiting and seeing? I think you could probably wait at least one more week before jumping on. I haven't seen him go big yet this season. I think... He's going to score around that 95 to 105 most weeks. I don't think he is a top, top, top defender like he was the last couple of seasons. All right, let's wait and see on him. Daniel Rich, $537,800, a break-even of 91. He's the greatest player of all time. He scored another ton on the weekend. Is he too expensive now? Is he unattainable? He's too. Is he too good? Nah, I like him. You can still jump on. Big kicks out of defense, getting those over 50-meter kicks, which I think don't count as uh, they're effective even if they get turned over and stuff. I think I think that's how it works. So just raking up the points. Along with another guy who I love, Sam Doherty, $522,900, break-even of 89, who isn't playing very well for Carlton, but champion data, don't mind. Last four scores, 109, 109, 98, 121 demo. He has jumped thirty or $27,000 this year. Is he someone that you could consider as a bit of a pod in defense? Yeah, and it surprises me that he is a bit of a pod because we all jumped on him last season because he was so cheap. And we have to remember he spent all that time out of, out of the game. So I think this year we, we are seeing his true returns and – why not? Yeah, I like that. Your friend, Luke Ryan, $540,000, break even of 97, hasn't like done amazingly awesome so far this well, year? That's because he's not playing as a key defender. He's actually able to play his role. So I always flagged this. He, he wasn't going to mirror 2020 this year. And... He's now closer to the price that we should have been selecting him at anyway. Is he? Is this who he is? He he scores an eighty here, a hundred and ten there, gets around ninety to a hundred. Is that is that who he truly is? That's who he truly is. Why was he scoring better as a key position player? 
because his tactic when it came to being a key position defender, given that he would have been undersized against most of the players that he played against, was basically to get to the ball first. Yeah, right. So, so given he's not playing as a key defender, which I would have thought would have been improving his scoring, clearly isn't. Is he someone that we should should bring in at five forty k, or is he someone we should just like watch for another week? If you don't get him now, he'll he'll be a similar price for most of the season. I like that. Interesting. Good insight, Dan. I love that from you. My final guy I wanted to chat about was Jack Crisp, who. Foz Daddy had him as his buy of the week last week in defense. $494,900. Break even of 82. And he's the 14th ranked defender this year. Everyone's injured there. And Foz read it right. He got 30 disposals, was everywhere, and scored 117 points against Essendon. Is he too cheap to ignore at 494? I think Jack Crisp is the best player that Collingwood have at the moment. I would agree with you. So I would 100% jump on him, and he rarely misses games as well. Yeah, if you're someone who's not gone... That's a good point, Dammit. He's consistent. He plays footy. <laughs> he plays footy a lot. Um, and if you're someone who hasn't completed, like didn't start with a completed defense, you want to get rookies off the field, or in my case, donuts... He's someone I'm seriously looking at. I'm seriously looking at this year. Last year, played every game. Played every game 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015. Damo, he plays football. He plays a lot of football, and it's good for our Supercoach sides. Fantastic. All right, the final thing we're going to touch on, it's a long podcast. I'm loving the new format, by the way. Just being able to go one-on-one with people, obviously – I'm obsessed with myself, so I talk a lot more. But I feel like we get in depth, you know? Or is that just because we've actually planned ahead? Yeah, I think the planning ahead has definitely helped the podcast. <laughs> Going off the cuff with patches meant that podcasts have been less uh, organized and more chaotic. And also, we don't pump them out and after 20 minutes go, what's next? <laughs> yeah. I do um one one sad thing though I do miss about the chaos we haven't threatened to burn anyone alive yet for this year but that'll come I think I have on the mailbag podcast I think I've almost threatened Leon Cameron twice let us know in the comments should we be threatening people more <laughs> we'd love your feedback before we wrap up Jordan Clark was the sub and played and lost money Braden Campbell was the sub and played and lost money. Chad Warner's at peak price, 337. Errol Goulden's at peak price with 309. Heath Chapman disappeared. His break even is now 68. He's $269,000. He didn't have to do much against North Melbourne, though. This week against the Eagles, he'll have his hands full. So I feel like he's going to score a lot better this week and could even eclipse that break even. I think. Of those players that you've listed, Warner and Chapman are probably the ones to keep. Yep. Clark and Campbell are probably the two to get rid of. And Goulden is a flip of a coin, depending on how your team is. Yeah, he's purely a, does he get me to a primo or does he not? I, I agree with you 100%. Chapman, I was surprised to see him as one of the most traded out players this year. 
the rookie this year this or this week, week? Sorry, uh, and the rookies we don't have a lot on the bubble. But if you if you're looking to flip any of these guys down, there's a couple of rookie price players on the bubble. Jai Farah, 184k forward for Gold Coast, scores of 83 and 59, break even of minus 34 with a projected increase of 43k. He doesn't really excite me, but he's probably the best option of this bunch. He's definitely the one that, that's scoring the best because I don't think I'm going to be jumping on Menadju or Basenavalagi anytime soon. Well, yeah, Menadju has a break-even of minus 35, projected increase of 42K. He's only 200K and he's had decent scores, but I don't call him Connor Menapu for nothing. Yes, I'm a child. And yeah, Bosenavalagi, 175K forward, 72 and 62. Has a nice role. He's playing out of defense a bit, but at 175K, it's too hard to bring in a player, Damo, at an elevated rookie price and have them shit the bed. Actually, the next player that you're about to talk about, maybe we are going to threaten someone on this pod this week because I think Nathan Buckley needs to play this kid in the midfield where he was drafted to play because Finlay McRae has not been put into the Collingwood side to be the man on the mark so the rest of the team can go to where the ball is going to go. Multiple times on Anzac Day, I saw him brought in by whoever was supposed to be on the mark to be the man on the mark, and the umpire didn't care. The umpire just just wanted someone standing there. Finlay McRae is not going to improve his supercoach score by being the man on the mark. Collingwood plays. It's not that hard to be the man on the mark. Let Finlay McRae play, please. Nathan Buckley, please. I agree because... A lot of people went early on him, and he's going to be very popular this week. One hundred twenty-six thousand dollars mid forward, forty-one and thirty-seven have been his scores. Break even is only negative four, so he's only projected to go up twenty k. I haven't seen anything that would make me want to select him, and that's not really to do with him. It's more to do with the the coaching staff of Collingwood, I think, because you're right, he's a midfielder. I'm a Carlton fan. I see players not get played in their positions. I, I can identify it from a thousand kilometers away. Ah, he's not getting played in his position. I'm not enticed to trade him, and everyone told me he was better than Jackson McRae. So what's the truth, Damo? What's the truth? Okay, here's actually the scary thing. You look at Jackson McRae's first three games, and you look at Finn McRae's first two games, so Finn McRae hasn't played his third game yet. Hopefully he does this weekend. The similarities are eerie. Almost identical. How was Jackson McRae's fourth game? Did he score 200? Because if so, I might jump on Finlay. Jackson McRae was actually dropped for his fourth game and then brought back two weeks later. Oh, there you go. Jeez, it's going to be freaky if that happens again. Yeah. And then I've chucked in this player's name, Sam Flanders, 192K, just because he's on the bubble. 21 and 62 are his scores. Break even is 30. He's projected to go up $1,000. Do not select Sam Flanders. We, we were sold this guy in his draft year as someone who could impact the play, who was a, a major ball winner who could affect the play in the midfield and in the forward line. And we've got this guy who plays a bit more like Ned than... We've been sold the Sam that that uh, in from the draft year. I agree. I actually I had him. I drafted him in our keeper ultimate footy league, 
that's been going on for a long time. And I flipped him at the finals, the trade deadline last year for uh, Michael Gibbons and about three second round picks from last year's draft. Feeling pretty good about that at this point. I'll be honest with you. Definitely not living up to the hype that people were talking about. Damo, final thoughts from you. If you've got underperforming but healthy premiums, i.e. Crips, i.e. short, which, by the way, is not being impacted by Hooley. Relax, everyone. Now it's being impacted by uh, Tim Mitchell and Dan Batten for bringing them yes, in. Yes, exactly. What do you do? You've got to hold them. If, you've got, if they're your only issues and you've managed to escape the carnage, I still think you hold them because trades are a very valuable thing this year. And you never know when you're gonna when you're gonna need them, and you just gotta hold your trades. Someone scoring ninety fives every week is not your problem. No, agreed, agreed, agreed. Trade for injury, trade for getting rookies off field. Damo, it's been a long one, but it has been a very enjoyable one. Hopefully, everyone else has enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for joining me. And where can people find you? And what do you need from them? You can follow me on Twitter at DamoSC and feel free to send your questions through to jockmailbag at gmail.com. Those podcasts come out Wednesday night slash Thursday morning, depending on how quickly I edit them. Uh, Clarky has been a great co-host and he's become very knowledgeable and we've got some great guests coming up as well. So make sure you get questions in because it won't just be us answering some them. Some huge guests coming. Just unbelievable guests. You've done more with that podcast in five minutes than I have in five years with this one. So well done, mate. We're loving it. Absolutely loving it. And it will be your turn to make an appearance very soon. Oh, as if people don't hear me talk enough, Damo. <laughs> All right. Thank you, community. Make sure you follow, subscribe, like, favorite, rate, comment, jump on the website, enjoy everyone's content. There's some awesome stuff up there. We love you. God bless Australia. Oh, shit. I think that...